namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa udang dhammang sangang namasami The origin of uh, Buddhist practice and the point we can always come back to, whatever we're doing, wherever we are, whatever we're feeling, happy, unhappy, miserable, wonderful, elated, confident, depressed, busy, not busy, and so on. It's just to pay attention. You know, pay attention. So... Pay attention means something a little more conscious than just having one's attention taken by this and that. It's a deliberate paying attention. You know? So it's, it's a certain sense of heedfulness or vigilance, that kind of attention, which means instead of your attention just being um, taken by sights and sounds and thoughts and moods and feelings, you deliberately get hold of it and steer it, say, what's this, what's this? What's this? You're paying attention. What's this? It's a certain unbiased, or unbiased as one can be, one can't always be free from bias, but you're trying to gradually see the biases. You know, one wants to find something happy, find an answer, feel confident. No, no, no. The best thing is just to really be open, pay attention. You know, see how it actually is. This is a certain sense of... Uh, courage and confidence that's needed that tends to develop as you see this this seeming you know quality of unbiased attention is actually the most useful you know because whenever we want something or don't want something we put a twist on what's happening and it creates a certain pressure and stress in the mind you know trying to be happy when you're not feeling happy You know, trying to feel confident when you're not feeling confident, trying to know something when you don't know it, always generates stress. So you just say, well, what I can do is I can know that I don't know. It's like this. So it's somehow it's kind of easy. It's easeful, and yet it's not. It's also um, challenging because a lot of the time we don't really want to know how it is. We want to know how to feel better. <laughs> you know, how to feel, have something in better and but then what a, what you begin to realize over time that the way things by themselves become better you know clearer settled the ca- the chaos the spinning the pressure in one's mind settles is through just paying attention you know fundamentally paying attention is the sense what's this because there's a certain energy that you're handling in that and a certain emotional detachment in that so so just the very act of paying attention is a certain gathering up of energy into the quality of witnessing of awareness of watchfulness rather than the energy being taken up in the thoughts the feelings the mood the emotions the scenarios that one's mind is generating it's actually 
skillfully just rerouting the energy of one's mind from more from the witnessing what's going on than the producing more more stuff in one's mind. Of course, this isn't by any means you know the end all of be all and end all, but it is a it's a reference point we can get back to. And then we can from there we begins you begin to you know have learn and what's from this point of witnessing what's and the fa- what have I had to do in order to overcome the biases in my mind? You know, perhaps I needed more kindness or more goodwill just to, to be able to be present with what I'm feeling. Or I need to be more patient. Something has to be let go of, relinquishment. A bit of resolution to really stay with it rather than skip, divert, deflect the 101 things that we tend to do to not have to be with what we're feeling. You know, the way we deflect our attention. So just paying attention, seeing the biases, seeing what you need to do to, to, to hold that attention, you begin to recognize that there's a certain, you know, the, the kind of real creative input that's needed, which is often in terms of called barami. Um, these are things you can develop all the time. Generosity, barami, virtue, honesty, truthfulness, uh, Relinquishment, resolution, discernment, um, equanimity, kindness, patience. These are all qualities that we can, you can name them, and then they're not that distant. But then remember to, to actually consciously engage. Hmm. So, what does it take to pay attention? Sometimes it does take. That sense of uh, patience, you know, stabilizing oneself, resolution, certain strength. <coughs> so, out of this act of paying attention, to support it, all kinds of uh, uh, powerful uh, virtues, qualities are, are engendered just in order to pay attention. You notice. You know, in, a, in a, any any particular day, was witnessing what's happening. You know, just being attentive to what's going on. The number of times that we want to, oh, oh yeah, shrug something off. Oh yeah, no, no, it doesn't really matter. What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. Or when we want to push something through, like oh, skip over that, get that, push that through. Well, the times we want to be less than scrupulously transparent about what we're doing. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just kind of, you know, getting through this. You know, some sort of fudging. <laughs> you, know, you start to see how the mind is, you know, these currents are manipulating. And it's so, uh, so instinctive that sometimes we don't even recognize we're doing it. You know, it's feel uncomfortable. Because what's happening we're coming to a place we don't feel so comfortable. Uh, uh, and these are the places where you really want to pay attention. Because in all that fidgeting, deflecting, fudging, pushing, pressure, avoidance, numbing out, these are the, these are the places where the, the uh, obstacles to your real release, freedom and well-being are hidden. 
seemingly innocuous places where we we divert our attention. We, we don't stay with it. You know, we don't follow it through. We sort of let things slide past. Yeah. So these uh, two two qualities, you might say, two two streams. One the stream of attention, as a stream of what we call virtues or parami, perfections or inclinations such as patience and kindness, support each other. It's very difficult to pay attention if your mind has, doesn't have any sense of of uh, truthfulness or 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 wisdom or you know something that enables you to. To, to reflect. And then also from the act of paying attention we begin to notice where our inclinations, our biases, our weak spots are and therefore what needs to be developed to, to keep the mind from you know, enhancing that or increasing that tendency. So these two things kind of cover both, we might say, the path to transcendence or release, you know, which is the pure attention, which gives you a sense of, of uh, really understanding deeply, and also integration, how we how we going to work in our lives, what do we need to, to do, how, what do we need to bring forth. Mm. And in the act of really uh, paying attention rather than letting attention be ca- carried away, we must notice the movements, the movements, the shifting, the changing of our mind. Yeah. Certainly there's a process of thoughts, moods, emotions, inclinations, impulses, resistances, just you know, like, a, like, a, a, or like a river. Sometimes in full torrent, Sometimes just meandering, sometimes drifting, sometimes narrow and bubbling, sometimes broad sweeping, powerful currents um, of all kinds happening in this kind of river of the mind. And you, you can realize that the mind is in a state of becoming. It's always in process. It's always shifting along. Yeah. It's what it does. It's like there's an energy that's pouring out into and it's pouring out and it's generating interpretations it's generating plans it's generating possibilities options it's generating um, scenarios what we could do what we should do how other people are how we are it's assessing ourselves it's but it's continually generating all these conditions forms like a like a river with these ripples and images dancing on its surface. And what you can recognize about all of it is it is shifting and changing, and none of it is really substantial. It's only made substantial by continuing to do it. So if you keep obsessing yourself or, or focusing on a certain theme, then it starts to solidify. And this is both a topic for, you know, if it's skillfully done, it's called concentration. If it's unskillfully done, it's obsession. <laughs> you have to figure out which is which. 
There's that sense in which something firms up. But either of them, any of them, is still going to change, dissolve, break up. So there's that sense in which we're looking for this river of mind to take us to dry ground, to heart, to firm surfaces, to somewhere we can stand and it doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. That's not its quality. It's incapable of doing that. You know, you try and find a thought that doesn't end, a perception that doesn't end, a mood that doesn't end. But in that, when we begin to recognize the nature of, of mind, of the becoming mind, then that itself, you know, if you really know this and recognize this, why the Buddha really emphasizes teaching of change, impermanence, mutability, you know, is that in that, without uh, doing anything more than just not getting caught in it, but staying present with it, we start to notice something like, there can be a kind of floating. Yeah. A floating which has a certain stability to it, which doesn't deny the qualities of thoughts and feelings, doesn't drown in them either. A light flow. And then from there, see which ones you have a choice, which ones you want to follow. So this is an extremely um, skillful and helpful abiding place, this place of, we call it non-attachment or non-involvement. It doesn't mean you're denying the mind, you're denying existence or thoughts or feelings, but you've got that sense of just lifting off, floating on them. And then which ones seem helpful, skillful, useful for a while, relatively, you know, and then you can follow that. Recognizing whether it's good, skillful, very small, mundane, or grandiose, or whatever it is, it's still of the nature of the river. It's going to break up and change. Mm-hmm. But then you, so you, you can't, you, you have this, and what is it, what it takes to get yourself to float, rather than get bogged down <laughs> in it all. <laughs> yeah, or or just try and run away from it. What does it take to stay in that in that place? Yeah. Patience, you might say, certain strength. Mm. What we, what I consider myself, just contemplating that there are certain, there are three fundamental qualities that come that all these Brahmin virtues enhance in us. One is a strength, which is our sense of resolution, our sense of resilience, our sense of. Um, Patience, ability to stay with something, a certain strength, strength of character, strength of mind. The mind is not flimsy, it's not flaccid, it's not just thrown this way and that way. It's got its own gravity. You know, you can set it on something and it will, it will do it. You train it to be strong. The mind also, so all, any kind of uh, real, real virtue that is true will always give a sense of strength. You'll also have a sense of clarity, wisdom. You'll be, it'll, it'll help you to see more clearly and discern more clearly you know, what's happening in your body, your mind, other people. You can see it clearly. It's no longer a blur. 
And you see clearly that things change, arise, cease, change, and they're mutable, they're effective, there is such a thing as cause and effect, you start to see these things. And the other quality is a sense of um, empathy, or you, you know, or feeling, feeling good, feeling not estranged, not numbed out, not stressed out, but feeling comfortable. Feeling comfortable in yourself and feeling comfortable with where you are, comfortable and settled in your in your in your situation, you're finding peace with it. Your sense of it's not just the thought; it's a felt sense with it. So we call it develop something like obviously like kindness is very much developing that that heart faculty. But you can also recognise that uh, um, such a thing as truthfulness is also a matter of of a pure heart in that we we find ourselves recoiling from the displeasure of furtiveness, deceitfulness, uh, guile, and, and manipulativeness. It doesn't feel right. So once you establish these three qualities, there's a sense of strength, a sense of knowing it in your heart, what, it, what things feel like, what feeling feels distasteful, what you recoil from, what you feel um, um, valued, valuing. And you have a sense of clarity. And these are inestimable because that's what really brings the mind to its completion, really fulfills the mind. So that, that river of flowing becomes something that's not just chaotic, but, but uh, uh, ample, decisive, useful. So this is making our, our conditioned a relative, our active life, something that is um, truly um, fulfilled, what we can do, what we can say, how we can act. So it's very important to to recognise this, because it comes and it seems like when we're talking about non-attachment and relinquishment and letting go, that we're all just kind of ghosts, or going to fade out off of planetary life altogether. Yeah, you know? but... Uh, <laughs> I don't see that. <laughs> yeah. I can see that there is uh, uh, the act of uh, really coming into paying full attention, being present, is actually a very uh, brings around fine qualities in human beings to act and be and listen and befriend each other and support each other. And at the same time, you know, to not hang on to it all so the the sense of the transcendent and the sense of the of the conventional really conjoined because the more we less and less we get involved with it and and hanging on to it then the the more these um, these these strengths can be developed And perhaps the, you know, in some ways the fruition of of our practice comes down to very simple moments. You know, like we in meditation, as your mind as your mind settles, you start to look at you know what paying attention to what what is a thought, what is an emotion, what is a perception, you know. So these these things that we that constitute our apparent reality, 
which seems so we seem so bound in, so much involved with, so much made out of. Just take take any of them, con- you know, focus on it, give it some attention. Perceptions, you know, what thoughts are these voices, these trails, these meanderings of of uh, verbs, words, chattering, you know, this inner voice. Perception is the sense of recognizing and naming, labeling something. This is uh, people's names, you know. This is Sam, this is Susan, this is Jeff, this is so-and-so. You need to get that. Oh, that's that. Yeah. And then naming things as this is beautiful, this is ugly, this is wonderful, this is boring. You know, labeling, labeling things. We carry these labels around. So you carry these labels around to the point comes where, you you know, the label precedes the event. (laughs) You've already labeled somebody as something before they've, you know, you've got to, they become prejudices. Because, you know, you carry them around as a directory of, oh, this is, he's that and she's that and he's this and he's that, you know. And then as soon as you see them, oh, he's that, he's that, you get prejudices about, um, Men, women, you know, ethnicity, uh, religion, Muslims, Jews, Greeks, you know, <laughs> these perceptions that you see in the media just throw these perceptions around. You know, communists, fascists, whatever, you know. And, and they, they shift, don't they? Last year's fascists become this year's heroes and so on. So that then we, we use these perceptions and believe in them and hold on to them. You have a perception of someone, George or Sam or whatever, and then is he is he nice? Is he un? Well, it depends. You know, when you really start to examine the perception of a person, is he good? Is he bad? Well, a bit of this, a bit of that. It depends. You know. He's good when he's in a good mood, or when I'm in a, I'm in a good mood. You know? So you really start to you look at one of these clearly. You see that it's not such a fixed thing at all. You, know? you can see people a certain way, but it's very much dependent on how your mind is handling things. You can look at the unattractive or the pieces that you don't like, and he, she, or he becomes arrogant stupid, lazy, whatever, and you can see other aspects of it becomes gentle, kind, helpful. <laughs> you know, either it's loud mouth, dominating, and then oh, clear and decisive. So you know <laughs> you realise it, it's very shifting, isn't it? Yeah. The labelling. And yet at any moment the ones that appear we take as this is true. Yeah. But none of them are absolutely true. They're all very relative. Feeling quality of pleasure and pain you know what is pleasant and painful we can recognize there are such things as pleasure and pain but what's what gives rise to that you know changes doesn't it when you're hungry you want to eat a banana one banana is great two bananas is good three bananas well four bananas five bananas or six bananas <laughs> tenth banana you're sick of them <laughs> What happened to the perception and the feeling? <laughs> yeah. All we know is that, that any object 
can have a feeling of pleasure or pain can be triggered off by that, but it will change. It will shift, it will move. Hmm. So these things, there are no abiding reality in any of it, apart from the fact that they manifest. <clears throat> in our own mind, we can see various uh, our, our intentionalities to, uh, towards service, towards helping, towards running away, to escapism, to getting what I want, to helping others, to loving, to you know, so forth. It just changes. Wake up in the morning, oh, no, no. but then who knows, in a couple of hours' time, you're feeling really good. So it shifts and changes. So none of this stuff. And yet all this is what we assume reality to be. And it's all part of that river, flowing, shifting, changing. The only thing you can definitely know about it is it happens. <laughs> this is true. There is such a thing as feeling. There is such a thing as perception. There is such a thing as thinking. You know? But you don't want to get, believe in the, the, the particular colours they're taking at this time. But at the same time, you can't refute their existence. So they neither fundamentally exist nor fundamentally don't exist because you can't have a thought that hasn't got some colour to it. Yeah. It's like saying, you know, well, all my thoughts, none of my thoughts are true or real, but thinking, the act of thinking is true, but the act of thinking must have a thought in it. So, you know, does it exist or not exist? You can say it's a relative basis for existence. And you do, when you meditate, you can start to come back to what is the beginning of a thought? Where does a thought begin? Have you ever done that? You know, this kind of meandering, blowing, drifting, you know, raging, surging, tumbling, current, trying to stop it, getting involved with it, getting disappointed by it, feeling you should not have it, stop it, quiet it down. What actually is it? Where does one thought begin? Uh, this is paying attention, isn't it? Try to think a thought deliberately then. Think of your own name. Where does it begin? You feel there's a certain tensing in the mind to, to, to squeeze that thought out. It certainly kind of it tenses up. There's a certain stirring. There's a certain shifting for a perception and then the naming comes up so it's not like suddenly the thought pops up it, it is formed through a, a number of processes a certain tension in the mind you know, a certain gathering up when you, like when you try to think you can see it quite clearly you try to remember somebody's name there's a certain mm, pressure to. this is called the intentionality or sankara, pressing, squeezing, and then labeling, looking for a perception, and then coming into verbalization. So it arises compounded. And then notice when the th your thought ends, you get to the end of your name or your mantra or your train of thought, it doesn't just go, it dissolves, it breaks up. There's a sense of, Either the perception is no longer interesting, so there's a loss of interest, the mind relaxes, the tension around the gathering that thought relinquishes and then 
And then the next one comes up. It grabs onto something else. So we begin to see that the, the, the core, the root of thought, is just this mind gathering up, tensing up, interested, and then losing interest and moving on to something else. It's just this changing pressure of energy in the mind. So really paying attention and developing the sense of floating with no particular aim, you know, but just to see, just to witness, then that pressurizing in the mind that creates thought doesn't have to do that. It's come to the point when you're beginning of your thought and just allow yourself to not know, to relax that need to know. To relax that need for certainty, to relax that need for a future, to relax the need to know something or achieve something or figure something out or develop something. What happens? Do we have no mind? Is there no mind there? Well, you can be aware, can't you? It's not as if you blanked out numbed out, there can be an awareness, but the awareness which perhaps for a moment doesn't form, you know, doesn't pick, doesn't do that forming. We begin to see that the, these um, forms and, and qualities of our mind that can cause us so much turmoil and happiness and aims and disappointments and the world and myself and this and that. Actually, it doesn't have to happen. This is why the, you know, the emphasis in Buddha Dharma is not about, um, you know, getting enlightened or discovering truth. It's about relaxing ignorance or what's called, you know, rather uncomfortably for our average way of thinking it's called ceasing niroda letting go ceasing relinquishing because it sounds so negative and nihilistic what it means is take a break <laughs> have a rest <laughs> of course it, you know it takes some work to have that kind of a rest because it's like a deep tissue massage into our normal you know nervous reactivity of having to, in order to be, you know, in order to be something we feel we should be. And of course this transfers, of course, into Dharma. We should be something. Arahants, stream enterers, you know, bodhisattvas, Buddhas, enlightened, you know, something or the other. Uh, indeed. But you notice that those are all, as, as here and now experiences, enlightenment, nibbana, Buddha nature, unconditioned, arahant. What are, right now, those are perceptions, thoughts in the mind. Maybe useful thoughts, maybe encouraging perceptions, better than bank robber, dictator, <laughs> you know, I want to be one of those. But, 
But they are that, aren't they? There's a here and now experience of just this arising of a, of a particular concept and perception that, that maybe encourages us, but also there's no specific reality other than it, it's happening. It's nothing more than that. You, know, you have to interpret it, because if you said to, you know, average person in the street, I want to be an arahant, they go, what? A what? <laughs> you know, you said, are you an arahant? You go, what? <laughs> I'm Armenian? Oh, no. <laughs> What's an arahant? <laughs> you know, so you have to understand what it means. You know, so it's a perception and a concept. And uh, but then, of course, we have these aren't the only perceptions and concepts we have. We have things like perfect good mother should be a good mother. I should be a, um, a, a successful person. I should be um, you know, a good monk. I should be a uh, reliable um, someone. You know, and these are all what are they? They're 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 concepts. They're perceptions that can carry huge resonances and pulls and pushes in us you know say well do you want to be a bad monk or a good monk well I want to be a good monk not a bad monk I don't want people to say I'm a bad monk useless feeble dim-witted corrupt conniving manipulative monk no I'd sooner be seen as noble grand-hearted pure monk (laughs) that's what I like that's a concept. I think, well, am I? Well, am I really? I don't know. Am I really pure-hearted? Or am I just deceiving myself? Tell me if I'm pure-hearted. Or are you just being nice and polite? Or you don't really know the real me? But then again, perhaps I don't know. Perhaps I'm just being hard on myself. You know? Perhaps I'm just looking in the wrong way. I have a negative attitude about myself. I actually am a good person, yeah. Well, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes. Maybe I mean well. Yeah, that's it, I mean well. Do I? <laughs> Do I really mean well enough, though? Do I wish to liberate all sentient beings? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, is that. Do you have to do that? What do you have to do to be a good monk? Oh, dear. And then, you know, you realize you're just caught... And then to be a stream mentor, well, you have to have these realizations, these knowledges, these attainments, these achievements. Oh, but then this other school says, no, you don't need that. Just be present, be here now. Oh, I think I can manage that. But maybe they're taking it too easy. Maybe it's a bit simplistic. What really you need, and then you look something more technical and detailed, you could be more inclined toward that. I really want the more technical, highly detailed definition of these knowledges, these realizations, this experience, then that's it. I don't want this simple, he's present, be here now stuff. Then again, being present here now sounds a lot simpler. I could think I could manage that. So you know, you go on like this. You realize it's all just... Where's that? Just wish something you, you wish you'd never heard of Buddhism. <laughs> but it's not the fault of the, the teachings, really. <laughs> 
just what one's mind does, you know, is that we turn these 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 pointers, these like the so-called the fingers pointing at the moon. You turn them into, you turn them the wrong way. You know, the mind kind of adopts them, and then there's this sense of trying to become them and be them and have them, and then immediately you're kind of thrown off balance. You're thrown into the stream, into the river of mental becoming, of mental conception, of mental proliferation, and sometimes really swept along in it. Point we think, oh, I think I'll disrobe. I can't be, able, you know, I just can't handle this anymore. All this stuff I've got to be. Yeah. Easier that way. I don't think that that was, wasn't the point of it, really. And there's something about all that that is also why we can never be a good monk or a good mother or a successful person or this or that, whatever, because they're, they're just, they're, they're virtual realities, they're, they're concepts. They have no substance to them. I mean, you can feel a feeling, whatever the feeling is, you can feel that. Mm-hmm. And you can know a thought, but as soon as you try to to assume that the particular quality of the feeling is true and lasting, or the quality of the thought is true and lasting, you miss it. All you can know is that thoughts do happen, that perceptions do happen, they rise and they pass, but what they're saying and what they're carrying, their colours, their flavours, is something to be very wary of, you know. And that's it's not a suspicious wariness. It's just the reckoning. It just it's just that. This is how you float. Not without perception, not without thought, but not in it either. So it's that. This is the middle of recognizing the continual arising of forms that have no fundamental existence but cannot be said to not exist either it's a kind of relative dependent arising and from this we begin to sense that which can stay at that place of floating we can never know it, we can never name it we can never say it but that place yeah feels hmm goes free and uh, it's not that far away and at any moment we can dip back into the stream again and be swept along as soon as we start to try to grab it or conceive it but beautifully at any moment we can also pay attention stem the tide Check the plunging in, check the fascination, the giving of energy, the emotional involvement. We can check that. You see, oh, that was just that. This is how we learn. This is how life takes it. Our life takes its shape and form through our response to to what's coming up within us, without us, around us. Hmm?
So paying attention. Making attention something that is not uh, pushed forward, not held back. Paying attention. And as you develop that, being able to stay steady in that, widening that, learning from the process of your life as it's, as it's really happening. No censoring. Hmm? No bluffing. Yeah. No, divert, no diverting. No going back. Yeah. No alternatives. No should be's, ought to. You can have a should be and ought to. Know, know what should be's and ought to's are. <laughs> Don't adopt them. Just know, know what they are. The anxiety and the, and the need and so forth. Mm-hmm. Know them what they are. Pay attention. Anyone?